0: Hello everyone, I'm Pam LaRicchia and this is episode number 120 of the podcast. It's the 18th of April, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I speak with Erin Human. Erin is an unschooling mom of two and she joins me to talk about her experiences with unschooling and autism. Erin has an autistic son and was diagnosed with autism herself as an adult. She's also a wonderful artist and is the art director for Autism Women's Network, as well as co-founding director of Autistic Families International. We dive into her family's journey to unschooling, her autism diagnosis, why unschooling is such a great fit for autistic children, ways unschooling groups can be more welcoming to autistic children, and lots more. As a personal update this week, really the most fascinating thing has been the weather. Last night I was talking to Rocco and I described walking on our driveway as what, as a kid, I imagined walking on the moon to be like, uneven and crater-like, as the slushy ruts and boot prints all over the driveway had frozen solid. The weekend was a cornucopia of snow, sleet, hail, and freezing rain covering our cars in alternating layers of all sorts of water interpretations, (laughs) we were actually pretty lucky to have only lost power for a couple of hours. And it's still going to be cold and white for the next few days, so we'll see where we are next week. And a huge thank you to everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work on Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons and their generous support. It's vital to helping me share unschooling information and inspiration with anyone who wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. And a big thank you to new patrons Edna Edwards and Peter Jones, and to patrons Stevie Puckett, Heather Struve, and Elizabeth for increasing their pledges. And this week, I wanted to just take a few minutes to talk about my Patreon. It's been around for about a year and a half now, and in that time, I've learned so much about myself, my unschooling work, you guys, and your needs and wishes, and even Patreon itself. And over the last month or so, I've been contemplating what a kind of Patreon 2.0 might look like. So, since 2016, the Patreon support has grown bit by bit, eventually covering my out-of-pocket podcast-related costs, which has been wonderful. Thank you, thank you. Now, I'm envisioning expanding the Patreon to cover the time I spend creating the podcast, and I committed earlier this year to reaching episode number 200 as well as creating additional content that I've been really wanting to get to, like YouTube videos and epic blog posts, as well as overhauling my website to make it much more user-friendly so that you can quickly find the content, whether it's podcast episodes, blog posts, articles, and so on, that dive into the specific question you have on your mind in that moment. So as I thought about that, the next question became, How can I thank you guys for generously supporting my time and effort in creating what I hope is valuable content that explores unschooling and what unschooling looks like in our lives? And in playing with that question, I definitely want to thank my amazing group of existing Patreon supporters, hi, hi, and thank you for kicking around ideas with me. Your feedback has been invaluable. So, without further ado, I want to share the new reward tiers that I've come up with. And just a quick note, I wanted to share this sneak peek of them with you guys in anticipation, but my Patreon page won't be updated to its glorious 2.0 edition until next week. Basically, I'm just too excited about it not to share it right now. (laughs) So, Number one, the first uh, tier, Friends of the Podcast tier, for pledges of a dollar or more per month. It may seem small, but it's definitely not. Every little bit truly makes a difference, and I appreciate even one dollar of support from the bottom of my heart. You guys will be listed on the patrons of the show page on my website. And I will give you a big hug if we ever meet in person, as long as you're a hugger, I will always ask. (laughs) And of course, you'll continue to enjoy a new podcast episode every week, as well as new blog posts and YouTube videos on my channel as I make them. Next is a dress up your desktop tier, which is $3 or more per month. So here you'll get everything in the $1 tier, plus each month I will create and share with you a new unschooling-related quote image that you can use as wallpaper or screensaver images on your computer. So basically use them as happy little reminders from me, guide posts on your unschooling journey to help you refresh and refocus, and soon you'll have a nice collection of them. The next tier is the all the books tier at $5 or more per month. Thank you. Thank you for your awesomeness here. You'll get everything above in the previous two tiers, plus ebook copies of all my unschooling books, including new books as they are released and most likely before they are publicly released. My patrons got the ebook edition of the unschooling journey book a week or so before it was released. Now, the next tier is called the community forum tier, and that's $10 or more per month. At this level, you'll get the monthly wallpaper images, all my unschooling books, plus access to a private Living Joyfully with Unschooling community forum. So join other like-minded unschooling parents who are actively living and learning alongside their children. It's our own private online community where we can have after-the-show conversations to dive deeper into podcast episodes and share our day-to-day insights, epiphanies, and conundrums. We can even work our way through the unschooling journey, a field guide, like as a book chat, because I know now you have a copy. (laughs) And our last tier is called the monthly video chat tier, and that's at $20 or more per month. And to celebrate your generosity at this level, you'll get the monthly wallpaper images, all my unschooling books, access to our private community forum, and each month I'll invite you to join me for a video chat. So maybe I will share a talk that I've given. Uh, Maybe we'll pick a topic to dive into together. Maybe we'll talk about your questions. Each month we'll figure it out together. And no worries if you can't join us live. I will record them and have them available for you to watch anytime. So those are the tiers. And as I said, every single dollar helps. Your support helps me to freely share unschooling information and inspiration with anyone who wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. And last but not least, there's one aspect of how I run my business that I don't think I've actually talked about before. So I thought I'd share it. And that is that I, to work, that I work with and pay other unschooling parents as much as possible. Uh, my transcribing team for the podcast is made up of unschooling moms. My book editor, who has edited all my books, is an unschooling mom. As is Hema, of course, who did the illustrations for my book, The Unschooling Journey, and you heard her on the podcast. Uh, not only are unschooling parents creative, engaged, determined, and all-around wonderful people to work with, I love the idea of keeping the money circulating in the community as much as possible. We are supporting each other round and round. So you can check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And just remember, the new page with the new rewards will launch next week. Now, of course, you can pledge now at any level and you will automatically receive the new rewards. Pledges are processed at the beginning of each month, so not until May 1st which gives me just enough time to get that online forum ship shape as well. (laughs) Okay, so let's get back to this week's podcast episode, which I am super excited to share. And this week's quote is from Erin. I actually think that autistic children are a perfect fit for unschooling. I really see the foundation of unschooling as being that relationship of mutual trust and respect between parents and children. I think that is really the bedrock of unschooling, and that is the way that autistic children really thrive, is to have that relationship with their parents where you trust that your child's unique perceptions are valid, and that their unique way of being is a valid way to be. I think Erin really nails it here. You trust that your child's unique perceptions are valid, and that their unique way of being is a valid way to be. And in that foundation of mutual trust and respect, autistic children thrive. And now, on to my conversation with Erin. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam LaRicchia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Erin Human. Hi, Erin. Hello. Hello. Erin is an unschooling mom who also draws comics, infographics, and neurodiversity-themed designs. She's the art director for Autism Women's Network and co-founding director of Autistic Families International. I really, really enjoyed reading around her website, and I'm so excited she agreed to chat with me! Yay! <laughs> so, yeah, to get us started, yeah, <laughs> to get us started, Aaron, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure, um,
1: I am married. My husband is Mike and we have two kids. Uh, we live in Omaha, Nebraska, and we moved out here a little over a decade ago. Um, we had met in Boston and we're looking for somewhere more affordable and family friendly. So um, we really like it here in Omaha. It's, it's a really good place to raise a family and a good place to be a homeschooling family. Um, my husband is a truck driver And he has a local route, so he's home, normal working hours. He's not gone a lot. And um, I've done a few different things over the years. I've done illustration and house painting. Uh, Right now, I mostly do the volunteer work that you had mentioned with Mm -hmm. Autism Women's Network and a little bit of my own blogging and design.
0: That's awesome. So I am definitely curious how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like.
1: Um, Yeah, I would say uh, it wasn't sort of a straightforward, linear progression. It was a lot of different things kind of all pointed in the same direction around the same time. Um, uh, I think... You know, before we had kids, I never really thought about homeschooling or um, certainly not unschooling. I just kind of figured we'd do the usual thing that everyone else did and send them to public school kindergarten. Um, But uh, when our first child, when our older child was really young, especially in the toddler years, um, we just sort of naturally... uh, move toward, uh, I guess, peaceful parenting or sort of that um, style of parenting, even unschooling style of parenting where it was more about paying attention to his needs and building a trusting relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, it just seemed to make sense to us to interact with him in that way. Um, And later we did actually send him to a year of preschool around age three uh, just to try it out. Um, And it it wasn't terrible, but it it wasn't – he didn't seem that engaged with what they were doing. Um, And around the same time, I happened to find a book called Free to Learn by Peter Gray. Um, It was almost by chance. I was browsing at the library. And I just wow. saw it in the release section. <laughs> it looked interesting, and so I took it home and read it. And it it just um, it was sort of a revelation, but also just made sense. It it was like everything that he was talking about, which is basically that children are designed to learn, and that's what they're built to do. And we don't need to teach children to learn. That's naturally what they what they do all the time. Um, it just all made sense to me. It was like, of course you know, <laughs> uh, anybody with a, with a toddler, a baby or toddler can see them doing that constantly. So um, he also was talking about how, you know, traditional schooling tends to squelch that natural curiosity often where, um, you know, once kids start to get, the idea that there's a right and wrong way to do things they shy away from exploring so mm-hmm. um, I was reading that while our our oldest was in preschool and I saw that happening with him where he no longer wanted to paint and play with crayons and it was like a anxiety around doing things creative expression um, so you know i just i i had that strong feeling that you know hey we need to we need to back away from that traditional education method
0: and how did you find uh i can't remember if he mentions unschooling specifically in the book uh, is that how you heard about it uh he he does actually he ah. um
1: But I think from there, I also went on to read um, John Holt, and Uh, then I was, you know, on Facebook mm -hmm. and online looking at different alternative education groups and, um, you know, hanging out in some of the Facebook groups and stuff. So I just continued to be curious about that and learn more about it.
0: That is so cool. I love that story, how you were seeing with your son unfolding exactly what you were reading about (laughs)
1: Yeah, it, it just all kind of happened together. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So then he just didn't go back after after that year ended?
1: Um. Well, you know, we kind of, we were still on the fence when mm-hmm. the next school year rolled around when he was four. And we actually tried again, one more preschool, a different one. And the very first day went poorly and mm-hmm. i think that was a little bit of a push that my husband and i both needed to to feel more um, sure of our convictions about yeah. you know this we don't want to do
0: that so yeah cuz i mean it is so different it's a big it's a big leap at first isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you have a great post on your blog about your autism diagnosis and i was hoping you could share with us a bit about that journey
1: sure um So uh, I I usually like to mention that it's it's fairly common these days for um, parents of autistic children after they um, recognize their kids are autistic and they start to see similar traits in themselves or their spouse and will then go on to get an adult diagnosis. Um, That's not exactly how it happened for me, (laughs) but I think that way is a little more common. So it's worth throwing out there in case someone sees themselves in that. Um, but for me, I, I didn't quite connect the dots in that way for a while, um, even though I had that experience of, even after I knew one of my kids was autistic, I, I would see, you know, traits that were similar between us or things he did just made sense to me, even though they were supposedly, yeah. <laughs> you know, atypical. Um, But I still didn't quite put it together because I I think that I just didn't know any autistic adults at the time, and so it didn't occur to me. Um, But then another sort of chance occurrence was a friend of mine posted or shared on Facebook a a blog post about – excuse me – a friend shared a blog post about dealing with sensory issues during changes of seasons Mm -hmm. Um, and it was something it was fall at the time and it was something that I was going through as well but I had never heard anyone describe it as far as um, you know like all of your clothes feel uncomfortable even though they're just last year's clothes that fit fine and Mm -hmm. um, having trouble regulating body temperature and and so I clicked through to the blog which was musings of an Aspie written by an autistic woman. And I read more and more through the blog and I, I recognized myself in a way that I had never done before. So from there, again, I just you know, did the thing that I do, continuing to learn everything I could. And um, there are so many blogs by autistic adults out there that are wonderful and helpful. And I started a little Facebook group for people like me who are exploring that question of whether they might be autistic Um, and then after six or eight months, I did get a professional autism diagnosis through a psychologist in my area. Um, and I think that at the time it felt important for me to get that diagnosis. Um, it's not really necessary. There are sort of pros and cons to doing that. Uh, if I had done it all over again, I might not actually... (laughs) go that route.
0: Um, Yeah, that would be interesting. interesting. Can you share a little bit about, you know, the pros and cons that you found about going through the diagnosis?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think at the time, um, one of the motivations for me was to sort of uh, validate what I pretty Mm. much already knew um, and to – sort of validate that in the eyes of other people, you know, friends, family. Um, I thought that if I had that professional stamp of approval, I'd, you know, it it would give it more legitimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to say that that it, maybe it helped a little, but I'm not sure it was that important because I found if people believe you, they don't need that. And if they're not going to believe it for any reason, um, you know, sometimes they just are uncomfortable or they, maybe they also are on the spectrum and just don't like to think yeah. about it. Yeah, um, that, that the professional diagnosis really isn't gonna sway them all that much either. So um, I, you know, it, it can be helpful, especially for people who are still in school or work outside the home. Um, it may help you get some accommodations. Um, but, you know, it's expensive and it's an ordeal. And it, it, if it's not necessary, it may not do that much for you, really.
0: No, that's a um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it is important for people to know that uh, it's perfectly valid to sort of, people call it self-diagnosing, but even that sort of medical language. You yeah. Know, if you identify yourself in that autistic um, neurotype, most people who do that have gone through so much reading and research and talking to other autistic people that that's a valid way um, to go about it too.
0: Yeah, it's such a good book because you were talking about how there's, you know, a lot of blogs um, written by Mm -hmm. autistic adults. And, yeah. you know, when you're, I, I went to Musings of an Aspie and I really enjoyed reading some of, of her posts as well. Um, and, yeah, I think you're right in that if you were, if, you're getting you're feeling validated you're feeling a connection and you're maybe you know they're talking about certain situations and maybe tips and and you know things that help them in different ways you can pick up all sorts of tools and and um just maybe a sense of community um without needing the diagnosis right Yes, yeah, then sure. the diagnosis, like you said, would be helpful um, in more formal settings like school or or work if you need accommodations and stuff. but you know yeah. it's not it's not necessary um, for you to. You know, because I'm just wondering, you know, some people might feel like, oh, you know, I shouldn't be reading that. I shouldn't be, um, you know, doing this research and be interested and curious about it. Like you said, you were, I I need to get the diagnosis first, but it, it doesn't need to work that way.
1: Yeah, that is really common. Sometimes I see people who... Um, you know people will come to an autistic group and they'll have sort of that insecurity of Mm -hmm. well I don't know if I really definitely am autistic or not and you know um, no one is checking your papers you know yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah I think uh, you don't need a professional stamp of approval to be part of the autistic community no one's going to demand that of you Mm -hmm. and people don't tend to take on that identity who aren't really pretty sure Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that that's where they belong so
0: yeah and I mean and and if you feel connection to the stories and you get useful information out of it 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 really is irrelevant right it's helpful for you as a person
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yep. and yeah I think everyone can relate to certain aspects of mm-hmm. being autistic it doesn't mean everyone is autistic but we're yep. all human beings so we share some common experiences
0: mm-hmm. um you have a really interesting post uh, about the language used around autism that I really wanted to uh, chat with you about a bit and it's specifically around the word disabled I was hoping you could talk about why you don't shy away from that word
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I had described in the post is uh, what's called a social model of disability, which basically says that um, being disabled is not a set of deficits or a lack of certain skills. Um, It's more about the way that you are, Um, you face certain like a lack of access and accommodation in, in society. Mm -hmm. So you're disabled by that lack of access more so than there's some, there being something, you know, wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that often when people hear the word disabled, they see it as inherently negative uh, or a a lesser than way of being, but disabled people usually do not feel that way. Um, So I encourage people to really listen to disabled people about how we feel about that label and that it's, it's just a neutral, a neutral uh, description of the way that we live and the way that we are. And the same goes for the word autistic, I think, um, you know, often people will say people with autism or people who have autism. Um, While well, most autistic people just say that they're autistic and that's because it's not a bad word and it's not uh, the only thing about us, but it's something about us that's important and that we're not ashamed of or embarrassed of.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of the conversation around, like with my son who has type 1 diabetes, the conversation around, you know, are you a person with diabetes or, or diabetic? You know, right. it, it, it's just like you said, it's, it's a part of who they are. It's not something to fear. Um, but, but it does make other people uncomfortable, doesn't it? You know, yeah. they're, they're uncomfortable. What terms she use. they just kind of want to ignore it for, for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. You know,
1: mm-hmm. everybody's uncomfortable with new things sometimes and that's all right. I think, um, the important thing is really just to listen to disabled people. And if, you you know, if they say, I prefer that you use the word autistic, then just go with it. Maybe. Yeah.
0: I think that's, that's something um, that I think shines uh, with, with unschooling, you know, because we are, are, we're focused on supporting the individual and, and, and understanding um, and and trusting and meeting their needs and whatever, accepting, theirs. what I'm trying to get, accepting their needs and their wants for as, as important and valuable and just mm-hmm. doing them. So however they want you to um, engage with them or what terminology they want, whatever it is, you know, you're just doing it because you know they're a whole person and they know best for themselves, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think sometimes in unschooling communities, I see that people are uncomfortable with um, some language around disability or with diagnoses and things like that, um, with labels. Um, but I, I would also encourage unschoolers to realize that you can take these concepts out of that uh, medical model
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that um, – saying that someone is autistic, it doesn't have to be a way to pathologize them. Um, it can also just be a way to describe something that they feel is important about themselves. Um, yeah. It's hard to describe. I think you can, if if unschoolers um, can sort of remove some of the language around disability away from that yeah. negative medical model, yeah. they could embrace, embrace think- those language.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a great point that medical model. Because so often when people um, are worried about labels and diagnoses and stuff, it's because they're bringing that whole medical package, right? They're not picking that apart. They're like, "Oh, well, then that means I have to do X, Y. If I have this diagnosis, I have to follow X, Y, Z pattern." You know, right? And yeah. and you it's don't bad, have to. It's take well
1: intended, it. I think. Mm-hmm. You no. Know? I think what unschoolers are often trying to say is, "Don't put yourself down by saying you have a disorder." Mm. And we're saying, "I agree. I don't have a disorder. <laughs> you know, I'm autistic, and it's it's not a disorder. It's just yeah. part of who I am." So,
0: yeah, no, that's lovely. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, speaking of unschooling parents, pretty regularly I see questions like, "Will unschooling work for my autistic child?" Um, as they're trying to learn more about it, so I'm really curious how you answer that question and what some of the benefits of unschooling that you see for autistic children.
1: Um, yeah, I actually think that autistic children are a perfect fit for unschooling because yeah. I really see the the base, the foundation of unschooling as being that relationship of mutual trust and respect between parents and children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really what it, the bedrock of unschooling. And that's the way that autistic children really thrive is to have that relationship with their parents where um, you trust that your child's unique perceptions are valid and that their you know, unique way of being is a valid way to be. So it really goes very well with unschooling and raising your autistic child with just respect and love and, and trust that they, they don't need to be fixed or they don't need to be taught to learn any more than a typical child oh, back, to be taught to learn. Um, and another thing that's a really nice fit with unschooling is, um, you know, most autistic people, we, we like to take a really deep dive into whatever our interest is. Yeah. And um, sometimes those interests are lifelong and sometimes they're just for a period of time, but we love to go really deep into that. And that's something that uh, more traditional schooling methods often don't allow for because, you know, now it's time for science and 40 (laughs) minutes later you have to switch to math. And, you know, with unschooling, you can allow your autistic child to just go all the way in. And that's a beautiful thing to see. I think it's really, um, it builds upon the, the natural strengths of autistic kids.
0: I love that answer. <laughs> I, I, love it. It. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it fits so perfectly. That was wonderful. I'm going to highlight that on the transcript. Cool. <laughs> um, now, I was curious as well, as an unschooling mom with autism, I saw this on your your blog, and I thought it was a great connection. So I was hoping you could share some of the day-to-day supports that you found helpful. And why I love that is because, again, we're talking about the individual, right? We're back there again. And what, you know, each of us find tools, no matter what, that help us do the things that we want to do day in and day out, right? So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, that was about sort of the daily supports that I use. Um, And I think, again, that's something unschoolers do all the time is balancing the needs of everybody in the family without (laughs) sort of, uh, you know, trying to control, I guess, everybody's needs. So instead you just try to find balance and everybody who unschools knows sometimes you get it a little more balanced than other times. But um, but conflicting sensory needs are very common in uh, neurodiverse families. So um, for example, one of my kids likes a lot of background noise. Uh, It's For him it just makes him feel settled and it helps him focus, makes him feel good. While for me background noise is actually pretty difficult, it it sort of scatters my thoughts and it makes me a little bit tense. So I I use a lot of ear protection, i had written about my noise cancelling headphones, Um, lately I use the earbuds a little more because they're just easier to pop in and out. people have different preferences for that stuff. Um, but, you know, that's just that's just one example of, a com- I think, a pretty common conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, one of the really important things in our family is building in a lot of downtime. And I would say probably quite a bit more than a typical unschooling family might have. Um, in some of my unschooling groups, you know, people talk about going on an outing every day or you know five days a week we could never do that (laughs) (laughs) No, We we wouldn't enjoy it we'd be stressed out and overstimulated so we stay home a lot and that's okay it works for us and you know again we like anybody else in unschooling we don't elevate the value of outings as being better than downtime because for us downtime is is so needed so um that's a bit that's a big one for us
0: i love that one because yeah we found that too that that downtime um and, and yeah if you're paying attention and you see that they're getting like my my kids got to a point where they would measure well if i'm going out this day i need to have like three or four days at home right before yeah. I mean, that's you know when you're um working together as a family to meet everybody's needs we you discover what your needs are right 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 yeah and and some of us adults who didn't grow
1: up that yeah. way it's it can be really hard for us to figure out that stuff and so it's so great that our kids can learn this now because that's going to serve them for the rest of their lives
0: yeah uh, it's really useful Did you have another one you wanted to share? Because I, um, I feel like I interrupted you there. <laughs>
1: oh, no, I'm sorry. I, sometimes I'm pausing to look at my oh, notes. Oh, that's okay. Think, you know, the other thing I, I'll i just throw in there, um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of personal, but I blogged about it. So um, <laughs> I also take, I also take uh, an ADD medication, which, again, I know some people feel uncomfortable with that kind of medical mm-hmm. stuff, but I see it as just a support. That helps me with, um, you know, I need a little, I need a little bit of extra support with focus and, and keeping up my energy to keep up with kids and stuff like that. So that's been really great for me. And um, I, you know, I hope people will not be too afraid to go out and get that if they need it. It doesn't change who you are. And it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. <laughs> you, yeah. uh, It's just another support like headphones or anything else a hearing aid or anything else people need to be able to do life the way they want to do it.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's such a great point. You know, it is another support. And it's, it's something again, you know, it's not you need or you don't need it's try it out and see if it helps you right. As an individual. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, one other question I wanted to ask you was about um, ideas ideas about ways that unschooling c- groups can be more welcoming to autistic children. In in mm-hmm. so in your experience, um, I was hoping you could share some tips and and tricks for that.
1: Yeah, um, I would say I know that you talked to um, Heather Lake. I listened to your episode and um, she's actually local to me. Uh, She runs an unschooling group in my area and she's been so great with um, just asking me not just once, but you know, whenever it seems necessary, how can we make this event more accessible to you? You know, if you haven't been coming or if you want to come, but you're not sure, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it's so wonderful because sometimes it's very hard to put yourself out there if yeah. you have a disability or your kids do and sort of, you don't want to feel like a complainer, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for people in leadership positions to reach out locally and say, hey, you know, if you want to be part of this, how what can we do that would make it better for you?
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, it won't be the same for everybody. So that's a great thing to do. Um, and also I think uh, I often just wish that, unschooling families, but really all families, would just talk about disability more. um, And unschoolers, you know, have such wonderful curiosity and openness to new things that I would say, just bring that to this subject of disability. Um, You know, like I had mentioned, there are so many great blogs, there are YouTube channels, podcasts. um, And don't be afraid to do it wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, This is, uh, this is the strength of unschoolers is that you're willing to like go on a journey. So it's okay to ask questions. Um, It's okay to say the wrong thing as long as you're willing to learn what a better way. And uh, you know, we disabled people are not embarrassed of ourselves. Yeah. So, uh, you know, come sort of come with us and, um, you get over your discomfort with the unfamiliar by learning more about it. So yeah, I, I guess just talk about it, learn about it is, will be so helpful. I think.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Just be curious, be your curious self, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And share it with your kids too, because, um, you know, kids aren't sure either how to interact with someone who's, who doesn't socialize in the same way as them or something like that. So Um, when I think when adults sometimes are very uncomfortable around disability, kids pick up on that. They're not really sure why, but they're just like, something here is, uh, really uncomfortable and, you know, stay away. So, Yeah. yeah, that's, that's sort of the thing to move past.
0: Yeah, I love that. It, it, yeah it just comes down to engaging and i guess just you know as as parents just trying to take that one step oh pass that uncomfortable pass you know it, it's kind of like our comfort zones right just just stretch your comfort zone a little bit and and like you said strike up a conversation ask a question um because when you're engaging with them and chatting with them then then you learn more and you you get more comfortable your comfort zone stretches and it's it's incredibly worth it not only for the parents but but for the kids too right
1: yeah it is and I have to say again about our local group that um we have found that the group is really welcoming and and we can't we can't do all the activities and that's okay um but I I have found that the families who really are open-minded and curious in that way be they're pretty easy to be around yeah (laughs) and that's really nice I'm so grateful for that
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Erin. I really appreciate it. I had so much fun chatting with you.
1: Oh, thank you. I was so nervous, but this was really cool.
0: <laughs> oh, yay, yay. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> and before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online?
1: Uh, well, the um, my blog is just Um I have a Facebook page for the blog and I also am on Twitter at the E is for Aaron. And uh, you can also see some of my stuff that I do on the autism women's network Facebook page, which is a great page. I highly recommend people follow as well.
0: Oh, awesome. Awesome. And I highly recommend people go check out Aaron's website. I, I just love that AaronHuman.com. <laughs> it's an awesome name. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much and have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca/podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What Is Unschooling. In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling, like how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is deschooling? And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.